Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. This is our Friday show. My chair's still damn squeaky, isn't it? I've got to try and sit still, um, which I'm not good at. Very expressive, waving my hands about and wiggling my bum. I'm Jack Chu. This is Tune It Over. Weekdays, 12.30 till 1 o'clock. We discuss all things topical in and around MSK practice, healthcare, and then also how it intersects with culture and society at large. So whatever happens to be topical. However, um, this show probably far less relevant to specifics on my specialist subject of healthcare and MSK because um, many of you have been uh, some sometimes heckling, sometimes sympathetic, wanting me to talk about the football, which we were doing uh, in the build-up and, and, and while the Euros were on, but then I've been rather quiet about it since, mainly because I've been not on the show um, and things like that. But uh, I thought we'd, we'd get stuck into that, especially because that is something that, um, for you know, good, bad and ugly reasons, um, there's been uh, lots to talk about in that direction. So I thought we'd do that today. Um, as as usual on the Friday show, uh, it's even more interactive than usual. I make sure that everyone's got some, some space to throw their comments and questions in amongst it. So I would love it if you're going to be tuning in live for you to participate if you see fit. Um massively variable especially on a topic like this as to whether you whether you want to weigh in or not and it's fine if you want to be a bystander but equally if you are tuning in on youtube instagram facebook linkedin twitter or twitch then you can of course post your comments and they get aggregated here and i can pull them up on screen and we can get stuck into that together as per usual if you're tuning in live let me know if you can hear me all right see me okay if the stream's working okay and we'll crack on um, it's always good to hear from you even if it's just for that, for an emoji thumbs up is always helpful for me to know it's all working, but it all seems fairly stable. Thanks to Michael Schumacher coming on the show yesterday, giving his insights into uh, being a patient um, as he's, uh, he's on our marketing team, knows a lot of therapists, but he needed them, needed us over the last few months and gave us some really good insights into what that was for him and, and what he thinks as a profession we need to do to value ourselves more and, and what it is that's our unique selling point in the industry so that was really interesting to hear from him so it was a really interesting show if you haven't uh, then do look back over that uh, available also as audio on all good podcast players the topic then today, and I put it in the the uh, the subject in in, you know, in the description for the feed it says about how um, I'm just about over it enough to talk about it. You know, I've been licking my wounds a bit. It's a bit gutting, you know, on a football level. Uh, it's gutting because of the um, the great tournament that we had, but also, oh, it can only be described as a relative underperformance in the final. Uh, you know, it happens. You've got two teams going at their best, and uh, and and you know, we we some of the reasons we got outplayed was because of Italy being brilliant at what we knew they were going to be brilliant at, but because of what had happened in the first half, if you've seen the game, and you know, we could have really continued to take it to them, and, and the width was causing them a lot of problems. I was always worried when we were only one 0 up at half time, and it should have been more, and that might have done it. But anyway, that's by the by. Penalty is always a bit of a gamble, uh, but also some some. Some stuff I'm I'm uh, sticking to the football for now. Stuff that I'm gutted about. Where I'm just, you know, even though I imagine these are these people talking about sort of evidence of of things and, and confidence, and people should take a penalty how they want to and get that. But it's just for me. I'm someone that, even though as a Man United fan, Bruno Fernandez has the typical sort of skippy jumpy run up, right, and scores a hell of a lot of penalties. I can only think of him missing one. Um, Pogba the same, but um, even as a Man United fan, I'm not into that, right? I just think that there's something to be said for the, you know, 
picking a picking a spot and, and, and hitting it, putting your foot through it and stuff, especially in those high pressure situations, especially as non penalty takers, just leather it. Um, which has its challenges. If you remember Roberto Baggio hitting the bar or over the bar and stuff, and he was a good penalty taker. So I know that these things all, all have challenges and we can um and ah, and that's, that's football, that's sport. Um, but then um, other things have emerged for us to be gutted about, of course, um, since then, uh, cross-culturally with regards to um, some of the racist abuse uh, that have been that has been then levelled at, particularly the three lads that missed the penalty, so Rashford, uh, Jaden Sancho, and and um, Saka, Saka. I may call him Saka. I think earlier this week. Sorry, Saka. Um, great players had good tournaments. Rashford obviously wasn't involved really much uh, in the tournament. But the other lads have done well, and, and therefore um, it's the ever ridiculous, irrational nature of of uh, the fact that they can go from heroes to villains, and then. Um, in the, you know, on top of that, then uh, be be abused for the colour of their skin, which of course is ridiculous. So we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that a bit as well, because of course it's disgusting, and and there's a lot to, of talk about what what can be done about it. What what uh, is that? You know, is that um, how demonstrable? Uh, sorry, not that, but how representative is that of society at large? Of football, you know, what did it tell us about things? You know, we can get, we definitely come to that, and I'd be interested in your thoughts. Before I thought it'd be smart for us because even before that happened, um, it was there's loads of good conversation that goes on about like when when there's a tournament like this, especially when England are doing well, and even in the past, obviously we've never done as well as this in, in my lifetime, but. You know, you're Euro '96 and '98, especially, and, and even early. You know, we even Lampard gave us hope, didn't he, with a, a ball over the line in the early 2000s, so where we sort of thought that when they do well, it, it captures an audience that are beyond football fans, and so then you get that really interesting take um, where people are um, are watching football and participating in that sort of conversation without being football fans or being amongst it uh, of a football culture and therefore are sometimes surprised at some of its quirks um, and, and some of them I won't excuse uh, but some of them I think um, get misrepresented um, and I think that that's interesting whereas I'll admit for those that don't know I'm a, I'm a big football fan season ticket holder at Old Trafford unfortunately enough uh, to do that particularly through my in-laws and, and, uh, and from getting to know and um, being more local to Old Trafford than I ever have lived means that I'm able to be well, probably more of a football fan than ever in that direct sense. And so I get that, I understand you know, the crowd atmosphere, I understand the, the good and bad that comes of that. And I've been, therefore, uh, interested in the conversations around, you know, that the, the, uh, the aggressive and, and tribal nature of, of football has been something that I've reflected on even more in recent years than I have done over the course of my life. So I think it'd be worth us just trying to visit. Yeah, we talked a bit about the football and my, uh, my pains there. Um, but then I think before we, before I think we, it would be probably remiss if I jumped straight to the the sort of racist abuse stuff and, and that conversation, because I think there's something in between which kind of was ongoing in the tournament and was an interesting conversation in and of itself, but also is linked to uh, the conclusion uh, of what this podcast will be about racism is that is that there is something interesting about football related or patriotism, right? That, that gets associated and linked, and I think that that's that's one of the things that I think a lot of people struggled with um, for various reasons. Like it is an interesting phenomena, but it's not it's not um, uncommon that um, you've got an anyone but England uh, approach to things across. 
the home nations and the world, right? It's just like a, it's a, it's this this part of that that's like just fun, not just football banter, but sporting banter that you you have where it's just like we're we're, we're rivals, and then you've got some people that would be like, right, well, and, that, and I'm a bit like this is that if, if England aren't in a tournament, especially what happened where we got knocked out by Iceland a couple of tournaments ago, um, then I was massively rooting for the Welsh and had no problem doing so. Um, yet if we were playing the Welsh, particularly at rugby, uh, of, of which we're more obvious rivals, uh, then yeah, you know, you can you can be rivals and then and then supporters and stuff. And it's an interesting atmosphere. Whereas you don't have that as much the other way. And there's various reasons for that. And there's various u- uniqueness about England as a, a nation and also England as a football nation, uh, of which people uh, like to highlight. And uh, and especially some of the hooliganism and, and, and things like that, that, that we'll talk about that, that is certainly the ugly side of it. But I think one of the things that I would, I would admit is that um, there is something to be said for an argument I hear where the idea of patriotism, but particularly I mean in English patriotism in, in the sporting context, that it is, it is ridiculous to see, to feel pride or shame in your sporting team. Like what's that got to do with you? What's the every person on the street got to do with the success or failings of any sporting team um, that, that represents a nation and that, that there's an argument that it's a ridiculous thing to try to, to, to have that and that it's just a simply a visceral tribal emotion that we need to evolve away from, we need to get over. And, and I, I don't like that analysis. I think it's quite shallow. And I think one of the big things that people tend to miss is that when you are living in a country and, a, and, and involved in a culture, that is deciding as to what 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 sports it champions, what it moves its children into, uh, what it what it celebrates as success, a competitive spirit uh, done well and done healthily, uh, especially one that's active, especially in, in in my line of work, you know, that, that's engaging people and using their body in interesting ways that then uh, offers improved longevity, but is also active pastimes. Um, that's a good thing, and and that in doing so, you then create an atmosphere in which uh, football success can can thrive. And you've been involved in that, even as a taxpayer. So you might be funding or you might be running the, playing the National Lottery to support Sport England and other grassroots things that can that can mean that be that England football team or the GB Olympic team, which we'll all be celebrating and supporting soon. It's like that that I think people miss the fact that we are all in amongst it and involved in supporting that, literally. Right. And so you can have and take pride in that and therefore the reverse of that you can be ashamed and be disappointed in a way that you are a small part of that process you know you contribute to it and that the nation state granted it's got its ugly and and tribal elements to to that there is a patriotism and pride beyond sport that then can exist and you can be proud of a culture proud of a nation uh, and, and that's often a really interesting balance of pride and shame because there's plenty of things in in history to be proud of but there's also plenty of things to be ashamed of and that as individual people in, in born and, and raised as we are in this particular moment in time it'd be bizarre for you to be um then um blamed for the specific ills of ancestors past as well as it would be as strange for you to take pride and and be thanked for as if uh, you are anything directly to do with what has come before in in a positive or a negative light however you can understandably then want on reflection of it and you know the the, on your own often biased reading of of history um be reflecting on that and i think that that 
that for me really struggles to cut through on a mainstream discussion about it. It's like why any individual nations and England, GB or otherwise, right? It's like a complex balance, but it's just that there is a, there is a school of thought because of the um, various ugly legacies of, of, of English and British history, um, as well as not just history, you know, there's lots of things in the present that, that, that uh, of course, are contentious, um, very contentious, but it's just that because of that, it means that there's something you know, if someone was to say, I'm a proud Tongan, I'm just making a random thing. Um, I was thinking about rugby the other day. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I'm a proud Tongan. You just wouldn't ever even think about that and, and flinch at it, right? You could just so understand that why that would be various things that might make someone proud to be Tongan, being a sport in another context. But a proud, proud, I'm a proud Englishman is something that to some is is like a you know razor blade to the ears really it's like something that uh, that that really offends because it's something that will that actually that on on balance that this should you should be just neutralizing any sort of sense of national pride sporting or otherwise and the specific examples are brought to bear on that now i think the the way that that colors sport is 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 not so bad when you've just got sort of sports fans and, and football fans then in amongst it. But when it kind of like it's great about when you have major tournaments and success in major tournaments is that you get these more people that have, I haven't watched a game of football since the last one uh, and, and aren't really attentive to it. It's great. And I love the fact that they're involved, but because that, that they then then struggle with the concept of patriotism because they've got other other issues there, whereas in a sporting context, we're kind of more familiar with it. You know, national anthems. How often do you encounter the national anthem? But for sporting circumstances, and and often um, then in in football particularly, but happens in other sports as well. You then have this the competitive element between fans becomes then how can you create uh, hostile atmospheres to try and. Um, Elevate your team and, and, and put off the other team, right? And, and that can be for, for in good ways and in bad ways. And and so that's one of the things that if people aren't used to that, it can be something that seem clearly confronts them, and they don't they don't then reflect on the fact that oh, I'm not used to this, or there might be something uh, that I'm not aware of. They instead just just see that as nothing but ugly, right? They, they can see no upside in some of that, and uh, and I think that's a shame because essentially these are. And I think it's just some great books on this that are one of my favourite, especially in, in sort of philosophy and sport and stuff. David Papineau, who uh, writes on great many things in philosophy, but he did a great book on sport. And um, and there's lots of really interesting proxies with regards to sport as a competitive element, has an aggressive element, especially contact sport. And uh, and then the way in which that is sometimes you know, a proxy for war and a proxy for, say, aggression, classically male aggression, to then be... As individual players, but then also the fans supporting said individual players as a representative of their what town or club or or nation is that they they they're going to war within within the set a set of rules and um, and what's fascinating is of course that in more and more aggressive sports physically aggressive sports like rugby you, you you find yourselves then having a decorum that doesn't transcend that game and, and doesn't turn into hooliganism quite as much and that's um yeah there's a few various reasons for that that, that probably wouldn't have time for today unless you've got of course you guys want to get stuck into that those that are tuning in live and i'm going to ask you some direct questions in a second so uh, please let me know your thoughts on this so far but i'm going to as i say ask some uh, bait you into conversation if i can in a second but one of the things that um, I'm, I'm describing there is if if 
a sport is a proxy for, for for war, for combat, for you know, in, in history or in in a way in which we're defining rules, and then we're going to compete against each other for that, including including physically, and then we're going to participate in such a way that you have crowds of tens of thousands of people, as well as then hundreds of thousands of people around that that aren't quite in the stadium, are then competing, and and, and the way in which that then plays on some really visceral emotions and and effects, and how you know, think about the if you took the pulse and the heart rate of the nation at any given point in, in various different times of the tournament, right? This is such an incredible um, series of bodily reactions to that. Um, and and because of the complexity and, uh, and variety of us as, as animals means that that's going to play itself out in various different ways. Um, and I think that, that that unfortunately takes us to some of the ugly. Like if that, if those feelings um the, the the anger the heartache the excitement that if if that waxing and waning and then the adrenaline and then the heart rate and the and the um all sorts of different things that are playing out in that phenomena um then mean that you can't and aren't civilized enough to sort of temper them and temper your aggression uh, in such a way that it doesn't manifest itself physically through aggression or through or verbally through abuse um then of course yeah there's no excusing it but it's just something that essentially that is an ongoing an ongoing thing right there's nothing new necessarily about that and i think that one of the things that happened especially in the 90s now we've got young men in the 90s where football hooliganism particularly nationally between sort of clubs and firms and all that sort of stuff got tidied up to some extent and there's been more of a family atmosphere around football there's a worry that that's then gone up we've gone all the way back to that and it's hard to measure because of the fact that we've all been out of stadiums right about someone that attends quite regularly and Various things that would have stopped me doing that, including having twins, meant that we were likely to be away from the ground for a while. But the COVID situation has meant that we haven't. So it's it's difficult because that's definitely made, played a part, hasn't it? Is that you suddenly have this massive influx in ability to get together and and, and, and fans in a stadium, as well as the uniqueness of the of England reaching a major final, meant that it was a bit of a powder keg. And uh, and whilst there's just no excusing it, you can so understand that everything was just contributing to it to it kicking off, um, which is which is a real shame. And therefore, when um, yeah, as I said, just not not civilized enough to to contain and manage those emotions, um, mean that your people act out physically under the, under the influence and the like, and then you get the the hooliganism as well as then jibbing in to try and get getting to to. A stadium that you've not got tickets for, um, including being uh, being willing to then fight those opposing you, right? It's not like you, you, you know, there's something to be said. And um, I don't think I've done it. I was thinking about this the other day, but I've got good mates of mine that, that have snuck in that side of tighter turnstiles to sneak into an away game and stuff. And so there's such a difference between that and then if if then stopped, you then beat the shit out of the uh, the steward that stopped you. You know, it's just you know there are levels, right? The act of doing it. Not cool, criminal. I get you. You're trespassing or whatever. You, you're breaking in. You, you, you're, you're undermining the uh, people that have got tickets. I'm not excusing it, but there is a massive difference then to, to then getting physical and some of the scenes that we've we've seen from um, from Wembley, which is which is not good. Which then brings you to brings you to then an aftermath, right? So you've got a, you've got a game and you've got a way in which that. You've got a, a naturally tribal atmosphere for for the fact that that can then mean it, it raises the temperature. Everyone's gunning for their side. It becomes incredibly binary. Yeah, you know, you've got Italians and you've got and we've got Englishmen just hoping that their team will will win. And it goes down to the wire. It goes down to the wire so much 
that essentially it ends up being you know as much chance as it is skill let's be fair when it comes to a penalty shootout and so Airs breadth between the teams, especially across the tournament and even in this game, and, that, and that's it. It's a, a matter of, of spot kicks. Um, and one of the most depressing things that's, uh, that we've all noticed, really, and has been talked about a bit, is this idea that then you've got um, three lads who miss the penalties happen to be people of colour, and everyone notes straight out, straight away, all the abuse they're going to face, right? That 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 is not going to go unnoticed by your tin pot racists are going to therefore make a point of that. And it was you know, so gutting that we we live in that world that it's just like, oh look, here's a here's an excuse for that ugliness that exists amongst us, right? Um, and there's been many analyses done of that and you can work out the numbers especially online abuse especially online abuse by anonymous accounts and things like that um and it's just disgusting and yeah I, I, it sounds cheesy doesn't it but it's like i i as as most do fortunately but i absolutely hate racism particularly for it's how how ridiculous it is in every which level of analysis to judge someone by the color of their skin and for them to then for you to associate that with anything other than pigmentation it's just a, it just makes your skin crawl and that then the fact that it was such an obvious known to people looking on that that's going to happen and they're going to face that they're going to have to face up to the disappointment of defeat as the rest of their teammates as the rest of the nation they're going to face up to the fact that they then made supposed mistake or they've, they've, they've been not been able to, to to hit score a penalty. That's that's enough, right? That's a fucking huge amount of pressure on that anyway. And then you've got the fact that they're going to get this this abuse. It's just it's, it's just sickening and, and, and something that that um, yeah everyone saw coming in and it did come. So then um, you have this utter disappointment. If you attach it to the things that I've talked about in the rest of this show, then you end up with this this abs you're absolutely gutted at the fact that. Of all the all the things, all the pride, all the all the excitement, all the fact that you feel part of the contribution to a society and a culture that has helped to to facilitate this brilliant football team, you then end up punched in the face by the reality that that, that what is also part of said culture and of said society is that you have this this corner of of it that is that is deeply racist and abusive, and we we'll, would we'll then take that out on on such talented people that were doing that for us and bringing us so much joy, um, which is just crushing. And has taken, and, and you know, has rightly stolen the headlines, but also uh, then taken the edge off all of the rightful celebration that we had had over their success as, as a team. You know, it's just taken the wind out of that. And it's such a shame. We can't forget that. And it needs to come roaring back. You know, I think that we need to keep making sure we have that analysis about how, how brilliant that has been and how much progress we're making as a national team and, and, and for our national sport and stuff, and that's great. But uh, but then um, what happens is obviously that isn't the end. So you then end up with this really interesting sense of, of, of pride of reaction, right? So um, both on a on a numerical, analytical level, you've got the fact that, uh, that the... Uh, the, the, the 
tweets or whatever it is or the Instagram posts or whatever and the comments and the, and the, the racist abuse that they're having to face in, in, in numbers, right, is, is such that, yeah, you can, you can assess it like that. But it's just that then the, the nature of how that is so disappointing is fortunately then faced up to a wave of um, denouncement of it, the, the fact that that, that, is, that isn't us, you know, so someone, someone uh, graffitis, I'm not sure it was necessarily racist graffiti on the Marcus Rashford mural, which is quite local to us, but it's like it's, it's, it's graffiti, it's abuse and then like in, implying some sort of disappointment or whatever, of, which is just ridiculous. That you'll have seen that there's such a good physical metaphor of it. It's like someone does that, well, a person then blurts that out. Um, and then what how does how does a nation react right does it does a nation react and and, and the majority react is to say well yeah they've got a point there that, that's, you know, that was a good reaction and no they don't they they, they then uh, drown that out with positivity and messages to say we won't stand for this and it's not us and we're better than that right and so you end up again with this this fascinating waves of all the things i talked about before pride and shame you know, you just, you just, you, there's, it's all of us, isn't it? Right. You've got that, that these things all happen. And, and that I think that the quantities matter. I think it's sometimes a bit clumsy, you know, when, when people then want to imply that this is evidence of X. And usually what they're doing is they're saying, this is evidence of exactly what I've been saying for the last X, right? It's, it's like they, they can't help but just use things as fuel for their existent biases. And I'm not pretending I'm immune to that, but I try and fight against it. A bit, um, and I think it's a healthy thing to sort of say. Well, what, what, are, what, what are the counters always to to my own instincts on it? But generally, you know, you want to try and work out and, and find that balance, and, and the way that it intersects with sport and exercise and activity, and how likely that is for people to participate. You can imagine how much of a professional interest I have in that, and how many of you in my audience would would have in that. But when it intersects so obviously with, with culture as it has with this tournament and with all the good, bad and ugly that's come with it, then it's a time for reflection, but it's also a time for action. And it's a time for action that, that involves positive and sensible conversation about each of the different components of it, as well as it as a whole, um, to try and make sure that we can right some of these disgusting wrongs that are occurring um, as best possible with sensible and careful policy that doesn't make things worse right let's not be clumsy with it and therefore i think the public conversation as well as then as professionals um and as role models in some corners of, of society then we can do better and uh, and th that's one of the things that when we can do better we should do better and i think one of the best ways to do that is to to therefore be poised and reflect on all these varied emotions that can occur as well as the fact that what is it that we want to stamp out and how can we go about doing that together uh, because I think one of the things that's that's fascinating is that that it's it's understandable and intuitive to reach for things like bans and things like that which obviously I support in principle you know if you think about the abuse or, or someone being um, um, assaulting people um, never mind whether it's racially motivated or otherwise you know your hooliganism generally and then your racist aggression um, then then that get making that you know you're, you're gonna uh, ban for but it's just that one of the things that's that's really um really ugly about things is um is that you 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 don't want to be um you don't want to compromise some of the upsides of of liberalism which is redemption um and then one of the things that's interesting especially um, at old trafford which is a big stadium 
years ago. I don't know why, because I'm sado and I overthink things. But you know, amongst the crowd at Old Trafford, there'll be murderers. Right? There'll be murderers that have served time, that have then um, paid their dues. Um, don't mean it's okay. Don't mean they're forgiven. Uh, but it does mean that that is a process. That's what we go through. Uh, we are a liberal society, right? They don't have the death penalty. Um, there are people that have committed heinous acts that have then gone about a process of of somewhat correcting for that and then trying to live in society and to, to be, we have this sense that we can do better and that people should be given the chance to and stuff. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that, that is hard, but we've just got to try and find a way to, to balance that and to channel it properly. I've just had two text messages from people saying that the, the comments aren't coming through to me um, clearly from LinkedIn and from Twitter. So I'm sorry about that occasionally we have that on the on the plan. Um, I've got uh, one that's come through here from from Uzo, which is brilliant, and um, and so I want to bring that up. I, I haven't read it yet, so um, it's not gonna it's not gonna it's gonna cut off some of it. He said, if that want to if if they want to fight, maybe uh, if they want to fight, why don't they join the armed forces? Whether an English flag does not make you a patriot. Many of these racists are patriots when it's comfortable for them and uh, for them to be and does not require any discipline. How many would be happy to, and then, it, sorry, I'll just read it here. How many would be happy to be patriots when the country really needed them? Or would they not just be available? It's easily forgotten how many fathers of the Commonwealth died during the Great War and the World War II. These races could be fathers. So these races could be fathers. It's a brilliant point, Uzo, absolutely. And I think um, one of the things to, to, to just pick out of that, I mean, it's, it stands on its own there, Uzo, so thanks for that. But it's also, it's the fact that this, this, there's nothing, there's, there's absolutely nothing uh, that makes any sense of any of it. You know, it's like Uzo's just describing there is that these, what on earth makes anyone think that there's anything just in being proud or, or considering yourself a patriot in such a superficial level uh, to, to, to wave a flag or, or hold a tattoo or to think that you're then going into battle what on the street with someone that you disagree with about what football it's just a fascinating shallowness and that it makes absolutely no sense and and Uzo's instincts I think are, are spot on there is that they would go missing uh, if ever a country or a society needed them uh, to actually step up and put their bodies on the line etc and, and Uzo a former military man of course well placed to say this uh, as well is that that is the that is the true sacrifice including those that came before uh, that stood up against uh, racism uh, of many kinds uh, and some of the darkest kinds in history um, for for us and what we are now. And again, as, as I said, you know, a, a semi-liberal uh, society uh, that, that is trying to trying to do its best, warts and all. Um, and I think that that's the, the thing that's that's painful. So yeah, apologies for those that have, have, have texted me saying that they can't get their comments through and stuff. I, I can't pull them up on screen. But uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for that. It's been a really interesting chat um i wanted to get some of that off my chest clearly and um and it was important to do so especially because some of you have been heckling me saying that, that i'd i'd got especially my italian and, uh, and other european friends uh, had been saying that i'd gone quiet about the football uh, having lost and that's fair enough i accept that and i'll take that banter no problem uh, but it was just a useful thing for us to to, to plant a flag on and